0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We are in Mark chapter 13. Uh, It's a chapter where Jesus is going to be addressing uh, his disciples on the Mount of Olives. He'll be sitting actually right about in this general area looking over the Temple Mount. Uh, He spent the last week, this would be a Wednesday, he spent, uh, or it would be Tuesday evening. As you look in your notes, he spent the uh, week coming in on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem Probably coming in through the Golden Gate or the Eastern Gate there. He went around the temple, nothing happened. Then on Monday, on his way into Jerusalem of this very week of chapter 13, he's coming up from uh, uh, from Bethany through Bethphage and he curses a fig tree on the Mount of Olives, which is a sign of his being upset that they're not producing fruit. Uh, the fig tree represents Israel, it would appear. He then goes into the temple area and in the court of the Gentiles, clears the temple, turns the tables over, has a big upset. That's all on Monday. He then leaves for the day on Monday, comes back on Tuesday. They notice that the fig tree has withered on their way in. And when he goes into the temple mount, they, be, they approach him and ask him, by, by what authority are you doing these things? Which could include him coming in on Palm Sunday like a king with them, all the people cheering for him, uh, of him turning the tables over and shutting down the, the temple services. Uh, and he begins to debate the, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians uh, on the Temple Mount. And during that time, he tells a parable, that'd be on Tuesday, that's your uh, point C there at the top of the page. He tells a parable about a tenant that had rented out his vineyard to these, these renters, and he asked for his share of the produce. They wouldn't give it to him. He sent more people. They wouldn't give it. Finally, he sends his son, and they kill the son. And then he asked them, what what will happen to these renters? And they said, well, he'll, he'll throw them out of the vineyard. And the whole ideal is the renters, the tenants, are the Jewish leadership on the Temple Mount, and they're going to be thrown out. And they realize that Jesus was telling them a parable that backfired and exposed their wickedness. And then he tells the story about... Uh, he tells, uh, 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 the, interprets the, the, para, uh, the, the psalm about the cornerstone that was rejected by the builders becoming the capstone or the cornerstone of the building, which kind of sets the foundation that this is going to be destroyed and something else will be set in place. Well, then he leaves the temple for the last time on Tuesday. That's where we're at right here in chapter 30. He's leaving, and as he's leaving, the disciples ask him. One of them draws attention to, uh, the beautiful buildings on there. Uh, we don't know who it was, but it appears that they're trying to get Jesus. You know, he's kind of been talking about the destruction, the overthrow, him being rejected. And now maybe, you know, you need to see how glorious this is and how much potential we have if we can work with this, work with these people. And Jesus, you see these buildings, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. Uh, and then he leaves. And they come out to the Mount of Olives, and he sits down, and that's where peter and andrew and james and john four disciples come and ask him about and it's going to be a very important term uh here uh these things and it's going to be said these things or with hanta in front of it all these things will take these things you're talking about these things and and understand to understand mark 13 this is an eschatological chapter uh talking about the end times. It matches Luke 21, Matthew 24. And so we're talking about the the return of Christ, the Son of Man coming. But the context of all this has taken place is the temple is being rejected. The Jews are being rejected. And Jesus has just finished saying, there won't be one stone left upon another. And the disciples come by and say, when will these things happen? So the focus of This chapter is the destruction of the temple. Now, I'm going to give you five options, five opinions on how to place these verses, and I'll show you what I think. Uh, But there are different ways of interpreting this. Uh, But these things that they're talking about is going to be when is the temple overthrown, which is 70 A.D., is when that temple was leveled. Now, again, not every stone on the temple complex disappeared. Because we spent a lot of time last week looking at pictures. And for example, this entire corner going all the way up to about here, these are all Herodian stones and they taper down this way. There's Herodian stones going all the way around the foundation or the base of the retaining wall. But as far as the buildings on the, on the uh, temple surface, those have been removed. So what we're going to do right here is I'm going to read just a few verses. Um, uh, I don't know, I'll, maybe I should read the whole thing. Kind of, I'll do that, I'll read the whole thing. Chapter 13, verse 1. This is the longest uh, teaching of Jesus that is not interrupted. Jesus is going to say a lot of things, and what you're going to hear in here is going to be encouragement to continue. There's, there's going to be room in here for time to go. Like A lot of times people talk about The return of Jesus, you know, could have happened at any time, Uh, but Jesus is going to be alluding to events here that seem like there's going to need to be some time transpire from him leaving, the temple being destroyed, and the disciples accomplishing what's going to take place. There's going to be time. It's going to call for endurance. He warns them several times, do not be deceived. I mean, there's going to be several opportunities for events, uh, local or world events for signs, for leadership to come and deceive them. So he's looks like he's kind of laying a foundation where there's going to be some time go by. Uh, but yet, he's also going to say, you don't know when the end is going to come. And there's two stories going in here. There's going to be the 70 AD story. I think he's going to make it very clear when this is going to happen, the destruction of the temple. But then it's projected out when the Son of Man returns. And he's going to make it very clear no one knows you you don't you will not know in fact you will not know this you should know this is coming you can see it coming jesus return well here it is chapter 13 verse 1 in the niv the english standard is on your notes as he was leaving the temple this is the last time he's on the temple one of his disciples said to him look teacher what massive stones what magnificent buildings and we looked at the size of the stones last week talked about the buildings Jesus says in response, Do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, so they've now left the temple. He's sitting on this Mount of Olives somewhere on here, and they're looking down into the temple. You can see this whole thing just like we can see it there. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew Asked him privately. So again, there's, there's probably room here to think that there's four people listening to Jesus talk right here. When it says these four, uh, it, sometimes when Peter says something, all the disciples are there. Uh, but when it says privately, and they've got four names, I mean, you can think there maybe are other disciples. That's not wrong. But it's not a. He's not on the Temple Mount explaining this. This is a private discussion with the disciples. Possibly just four disciples are hearing this. Um. Peter, James, John, Andrew, asked him privately. Now, he listened to their question. It's twofold. In, in, now, again, this is recorded in Matthew 24, Luke 21. But we're not going to go look at those. We're, we're studying Mark. If we're actually doing eschatology, trying to pick apart more details, we'd go and make a comparison chart. I did that in Titanic faith and other places. But right now, just, we're just sticking with the book of Mark. Tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled, and that all that adds the word "panta" to th- these things—these things So two things. When will these happen, and what will be the sign they are about to be fulfilled? Now Jesus begins to teach. Uh, Jesus said to them, "Watch out that no one deceives you." That's his first thing. He says, "Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am He, and will deceive many." When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. That's a huge verse right there. When you hear of these things, don't be alarmed. The end is still to come. When you, when you, oh, look, ah, there's another war. It's like, what, you know what that means? That doesn't mean anything. Don't be alarmed. You've got a long way to go, a lot of ground to cover. Just because it looks chaotic, that's not the end. So what the first sign of the end is, it's not a sign of the end, which is very interesting, of how much time even myself have spent trying to navigate through and figure out when is the end of the world, when is it going to take. Me- Jesus, you see this? You see that? You see that? That means nothing. That's not the end. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. So again, there you. Are. If we call the end the the birth, all these things are just beginning of birth pains not just the birth pains the labor before but the beginning of labor meaning it's it's got a ways to go then he says verse 9 you must be on your guard we're going to spend some time looking at all these phrases you must be on your guard you will be handed over to the local consuls and flogged in the synagogues on account of me you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. So now we're talking about, not so much about end times, but about what their life is going to be. Well, what's going to happen to us? Well, you're going to be out preaching. You're going to be preaching, and, and the Jews are going to come against you. The Gentiles are going to come against you. In fact, you're going to go to all the nations, and you're going to be persecuted all across the world. So what's, what's the end? Well, we're not, he's, basically he's telling them, he's encouraging them, Get tough because you've got a long ways to go. It's not going to be as easy as we want it to be. It, you know what, what, the, what we would like is, well, I think this is the end of the world. Jesus is going to come back and save us. It's Jesus saying, uh, no, I'm going to save you spiritually, but now you've got work to do. You're going to have to go out and labor in the world, and they're going to, well, you're going to save us? Well, no, you're going to go, go to consuls and synagogues. You're going to be beaten in prison. Some of you are going to be killed uh so you going to come back and save us well no you've got a job to do and it's like well, well that's not what we want to hear when's jesus come back not as soon as you'd like you've got some things you've got to get done and so that's kind of the tone of this uh whenever you are arrested and brought to trial do not worry beforehand about what to say just say whatever is given you at the time for it is not you speaking but the holy spirit Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. That's an interesting line. All men will hate you because of me. Because of Christ, because of Jesus, men will hate the disciples. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. We'll explain that when we get there. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And that was something, uh, the abomination of desolation, something Daniel referred to. It was fulfilled at one level in in the Maccabean Revolt in 165 when uh, Antiochus Epiphany set up in the temple uh, an image of himself as Zeus and they offered a pig uh, the, a swine pig blood on the altar and desecrated that was an abomination that caused this they shut the temple down uh, but that was in 165 this is 30 AD so it's like Jesus talking about it like it's a future event Daniel talked about it say oh what would we give it a date 518, yeah, 518 539 540 something like that Daniel talked about it BC it occurred in 165 BC. Now Jesus is talking 30 AD, so it's like a future event. It could be fulfilled in some sense in 70 AD, but there appears to be an ultimate fulfillment coming yet in the future. But nonetheless, that's what the we'll talk much about that. When you uh, watch out that no one, okay, uh, you must be on your guard, Okay, I'm over here. Verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. This is like a a rapid exit right here. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Now again, are we talking about the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD? Or are we talking about something in the future? This is the destruction of the temple that is in the context. And some of these things will be pertinent But yet, is there something yet in the future? Uh, Pray, verse 18, pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress, unequal from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again, which I think is a very interesting verse because this has been such a disaster. And I'll just say this while I'm thinking about it. But if all these verses are 70 A.D., this is, going, this is saying the destruction that you see on that temple mound that took place, there is never, ever an event like that in the history of the world that was as terrible as that event, nor will there ever be again. That was, 70 AD is going to be the worst event in history. Well, the problem with that, if you're biblical is well, are you including the flood of noah i mean that was pretty devastating no 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 the burning of i mean the roman soldiers didn't even die i mean they just went back and went somewhere else i mean people around the world weren't even affected uh that's the worst event plus you got examples of the old testament like you go back to Lakeish. Lakeish, we can see the devastation that sneaker laid down on Laish. it was just piles of rubble he's got murals in the british museum of the destruction he brought on Lakeish. it was very similar to that destruction so it's hard to say, for me, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out, People, someone would argue with me that that was the worst event that ever took place, and ever again. But nonetheless, um, it, okay, it, take place, okay, I'm looking for my place. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, you know, at that time, it was 70 AD or in the future, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles. Right there, why don't you follow signs and miracles? Because false prophets can do signs and miracles. Satan can do signs and miracles. There is... Uh, evil in the world if you want to call it saint, Satanism or demonism demonic manifestations and if you want something spiritual sign to give you indication of where to go it's like well saint can give you a spiritual sign and so right here don't don't follow signs that's why we have the truth the word uh for false christ and false prophet will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect if it were possible So be on your guard. Once again, be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. There's that word, everything. I have told you all things, is it with the Greek. But in those days, following that distress, here we go, another thing. The sun will be darkened. This is right out of the Old Testament. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. There are those that say the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD was the coming of the Son, Jesus coming back to destroy the temple that rejected him. And they really push, they're called preterists in most cases, they really push that. Uh, And and it will fly. I mean, you can make it, you know, give it wings and make it work. But this certainly sounds like Uh, the Son of Man coming in clouds refers to Daniel's ideal of the Son of Man coming. Jesus referred to himself returning in clouds with great power and glory. That's Isaiah 63, him returning in glory. So it really sounds more like the return of of the second coming. Nonetheless, we'll talk about it. And he will send his angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. There you go. Now he's going to give you two parables two accounts two illustrations here's the first one and i want you to notice as we read through these how drastically different they are um chapter uh 13 verse 32 uh verse 28 now learn this lesson from the fig tree as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out you know that summer is near Notice right there, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see, he's going to say it twice, when you see these things, when you see these things, they ask him, what about these things? He says, when you see, he's answering the question, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. When you see these things, you're right there. It's right, it's near, it's right behind the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things, panta these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now watch, watch the clarity. When you see these things it's near when will this happen that was the question when will these things happen when you see these things happening it is near it is at the door in fact and he says it very boldly this generation this generation now he's talking in 30 AD sitting on the mount of olives just having said there's not be one stone left upon another when will these things happen he said i tell you what when you see these things taking place it's near in fact When you see these things transpiring, this generation will not pass away until it's been done. Now, Jesus says in 30 AD, 40 years is a generation. That's 70 AD. That's when it all came down. So, he's making it very clear. When you see these things, you, and he used the word, know. You understand that? You know. I mean, it's like that's what you're looking for. Now, watch the switch. Now, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Verse 32. No one knows about that day or hour. Now he says, uh, it's going to be redundant, no one knows. The last parable about the fig tree was, you'll know. Then he switches and says, now no one knows the day or the hour not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. In, in, previously, he's acting like you know, he's giving them information. Now he says, the son, doesn't even know that when the son doesn't even know when this is going to take place. But I can tell you when this is going to take place. But what I'm talking about now, I don't even know when it's going to happen. So I think we're clearly talking about two events. Now again, you've got to be thinking. Be on your guard. Do not be deceived, as Galen teaches Uh, be on he says no one knows about the day or hour not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father and he says be on guard be alert you do not know when the time will come you do not know when the time will come i thought you said we know well you know that but you don't know this it's like a man going away this is what it's like It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. Someone's going away, and he's going to come back. But you do not know. He'll say, I'm coming back, but you have no idea. Your job is to keep watching to see when he's coming. But you won't know. It'll surprise you. So this right here, this part, no one knows. He's going to say it three times. He's going to say, don't be sleeping and make sure you're on guard uh, because this day will surprise you. So it seems like there's two events. And what I've got here, if we don't mind, let's do this since we just got done reading it. Take this paper right here. It's, it's a, a chart. And I'm trying to figure out how to get through this material, how to best introduce it. And I think this might be the a best step uh what i have here is that whole chapter written out in that made, major column and then i've got one two three four five opinions and again i have an opinion now again this is not saying the bible is subjective and you can make you know make it mean what you want it to mean it means it means what it means but we're trying to figure out how to put it together opinion one two three four and five now what i've got there there's these are broken down let's go through and see how this is broken down the first three verses i just call it the setting and you know we read that look at the beautiful buildings do you see these buildings not one will be left upon another now they're sitting on the mount of olives peter james john and andrew come and say ask him a question or two questions and that's the next thing two questions when now this is the english standard version translation When will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And the key phrase being these things and all these things. That's right, these things that you're talking about. When will these things happen? Okay, now you're going to have this next section here is going to be Jesus Begins Answering, Don't Be Deceived. I title it, Don't Be Deceived. Then you turn the page. Then there's another section, Be On Your Guard. And then beginning in verse 14, the section called Abomination of Desolation is introduced. And that continues down. And that ends with verse 23, But be on guard, I have told you all things beforehand. Or, verse 23 begins the next section. And that is, see the Son of Man is coming. And then the end with the two parables I just read you. Timing number one, the parable of the fig tree. Or, when you see these things, then you'll know. And then the last page on these little set of notes uh, is going to be timing number two. No one knows. Stay awake. And what's in there is you do not know is said three times. And those verses right there, I've got them underlined. Three times it says you do not know. In fact, he says the sun doesn't know. Then it says four times stay awake. And then one time be on guard, which clearly I think has a, a contrast between the fig tree. When you see the fig tree, you know what's going on. Watch these events. You'll know where you're at in history. Now, the other part, no one knows. In fact, three times says no one knows uh, and then tells them be awake. The only way you're going to know is if you're awake and looking at that moment. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. And so now, the opinion, how to break this down. I've got, basically, it's this, this information. These are, he's giving you information to these disciples, he's encouraging them. But also, they ask, what will be some signs? What will be some evidence? So he's giving them evidence. When is this evidence? When when are these events taking place? He's saying it in 30 A.D. And the topic, which we established, because he's been talking about it all week, and his last thing he said was, there's going to be one stone left. He's talking about the destruction of the temple. takes place in 70 A.D. So these things he's talking about are talking about the period of time between 30 and 70 A.D. That is, that's one time period. The other time would be what we will call the parousia. The parousia, that's a Greek word. Uh, it, it means the coming of Christ. The word in the Greek, it refers to, basically refers to two things. Uh, it's using Greek literature of like a, a god like there's many gods you know some spiritual being uh, maybe you're walking down a trail or you're in the woods or you're in your home or something and then one of the gods appears to you with a message there is a, a parousia of Zeus or, or Hercules, Hercules or Mercury or somebody Mercury probably is bringing a message uh, that would be an appearance a sudden appearance of one of the gods uh, but also it's used of a king. Like if the emperor would go on a journey and then he's going to come to your town and they're, you know, like they plan Regbri in Iowa. You know, you get the map. Here's Regbri. He's going to go through all these cities. Well, there would be a map. The, the emperor's going to go to all these cities. They'd schedule ahead. They'd be building hotels. They'd be building special, you know, coliseums or arenas for him to speak at or whatever. And then all of a sudden he is going, here he comes. They run out and he is now arriving the arrival of the king so it refers to a parousia now it has nothing to do with the second coming has nothing to do with christianity because christianity doesn't exist when this word was in use Uh, it refers to a parousia of a god appearing to you or the the arrival of a king and it could be used in a more you know you know common way of you know we're going to go to grandma's house and we have now parousia we've arrived at grandma's house or i jump out of the closet and boo i made a parousia that scared you or whatever it's a sudden appearing or it's the arriving of a king it's parousia now jesus is talking about we talk about it in the bible the, it's used throughout the new testament paul uses it the writers use it is the parousia of christ And it makes complete sense. It's the second coming. It's the second appearing. All of a sudden, he appears in glory. It's the parousia of Christ. Or it's the arriving of the king. The king is going to travel back to earth and will make his arrival here. So parousia is the the word that refers to uh, the second coming. I'll just write the word coming here. And it would involve uh, the end times. It would involve the 70th week of tribulation, and which prepares and leads up to the coming of Christ. This would be eschatology, the end times. This would be a historical event of history in 70 A.D. Okay, does that make sense? So, the easiest way to do this is option five, or opinion five is over here. If you look at all that, I've placed in there either... If The verses are talking about history, 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., or eschatology, the end times. One opinion, if you look at that column, it's the 70th week and the parousia. Everything is talking about, every event in those chapter 13 is talking about the 70th week it meaning the seventy the, 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 the tri- seven year tribulation and the return of Christ, the overthrow of the Antichrist, the appearing of the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation fits perfectly in that. It's all about that. And it has nothing to do with seventy AD and the destruction of Jerusalem. Which that's fine. Uh, and, and you can get by with that in certain circles, but if anybody's read chapter eleven and twelve of Mark and the opening three verses Uh, There won't be one stone left upon the temple. It's all about the temple being overthrown. It's like, well, does any of it apply to this? It's like, no, 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 it's all end time stuff. Okay, you can run with that if you want to, like tape some wings on it, but someone's going to ask you a question eventually that you're not going to be able to answer. Like, for example, you can see this. This generation will not pass away. How how long have we struggled with that? This generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Well, if you shove all this in, it's going to be the second coming, Well, what generation is not going to pass away? Because Jesus is going to come back before that generation passed away? He he didn't come back. Uh, Well, the generation refers to the generation that sees uh, the restoration of the Jewish nation in 1948. And we've all played that game, right? 1948. Now, some of you remember the book. It was a big seller. Remember, Tony, you hear? 1948, the Jews come back. He had 40 years to it. That's 1988. 1988 the guy's big seller came out of the book 88 reasons why jesus coming back in 1988 man big seller all the talk shows because it's 40 years after the jews came back this generation will not pass away until jesus comes back this is it you will know the the fig trees blossoming you know the season is now it's now Well, what about that verse says no one will know well he knew he sold the book Except it didn't come that way. But, but, but hey, as any good author, it's like, wait a minute, let me refigure the bath. I made a mistake. 1988, that was the year that was fulfilled. Now, 1989 is the year he's going to come back because it was fulfilled last year. So buy my new book, 89 reasons why she's coming back in 1989 and didn't sell quite as well, but he did write the book. Uh, and there's many people like that. But then he can go from there, well, 40 years it's really 70 years as a generation. So if I do this math, that's 8, 7, that's 11. Oh, so 2018. Well, no, no, no. Uh, probably 80 years. So now, 8, 9. Oh, so that would be, so 2028. So, you know, there's still hope. But anyway, but you're playing, it's like, that, is that what Jesus said? But if you allow this 30 to 70 AD to come into play, that gener- it happened. That generation, between Jesus announcing it and 40 years later, they saw all those. The disciples, uh, well, John, for example, Peter was dead, Uh, Andrew was dead, Uh, James was dead, Uh, but John saw, in fact, he fled. He fled in 66, 65, he fled, and uh, he saw those things come to pass. So anyway, uh, I don't think that that option is good for interpreting that whole chapter. The other one, number four, is this would be the preterist. The preterist means everything's been fulfilled already. There's no nothing to worry about the future. There'll will be a kingdom of God. Depending on how they explain it, maybe we're all going to go away to the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God in heaven, or whatever. There's different ways of explaining it. But the whole point is, all the prophecies, including the book of Revelation, was fulfilled in 70 A.D which means the book of Revelation had to be written sometime in 64, 65 AD, about the same time Mark's being written, in order to prophesy the events in 70 AD. But if you go with the historical record that it was written during the reign of uh, Trajan, Domitian, yeah, Domitian, Trajan overthrew Domitian, during Domitian's reign, uh, then it's it's yet future. Nonetheless, that's another whole topic. So all these would be, everything takes place in 30 AD or 70 AD, that's that second column. Now, the columns, you're, and you can go with that if you want. If you're Preterist, you've already made your decision, you're going with Opinion 4. If you're uh, Hell Lindsey, uh, and they're in the crazy 70s crowd, which I was for many years, I'm going with Option 5, because that's the most exciting, sells the most tapes. But if you're actually doing exegetical work, you're going to have to choose 1, 2, or 3. And now 1, 2, or 3, please notice that part that I over here titled Don't Be Deceived, verses 5 through... Uh, uh, eight, all would apply to Jesus talking to the time period between 30 and 70 A.D. I'll read it very quickly. And Jesus began to say to them, See that, that no one leads you astray. Meaning during 30 to 70 A.D. Make sure you do not get led astray. Because before the Jewish wars, or leading up and causing the Jewish wars, many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And again, when we get to that verse, I'll try and give you some examples of people that led the Jews astray. There's like three or four different groups that were going to become the Messiah, and the Jews fled to Jerusalem. Because they were, no matter, it didn't matter. They knew that God would not let his temple be destroyed. And they were just waiting for that glorious appearing of their God, their Messiah in the heavens to come deliver them from the Romans. But the Romans kept getting closer and closer, breaking through one wall and then another wall. Finally, they were into the temple. And the Jews were, it was a de- they were somewhere jumping into the fires. It, there's Josephus records the whole thing. And, but they came, and says, not necessarily that they were Jesus, but they came with what they said was the authority of the Messiah. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, like Jerusalem being burnt and fighting with the Roman, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. So he's talking about from 30 to 70 A.D. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars. You're going to hear of many things, devastations. There's going to be famines. Uh, kingdom will rise against kingdom, nation against nation. And then it says, These are the beginning of the birth pains. Pain's. This is not the end. This is the beginning, in a sense. This is the beginning of the end. And the beginning of the end would be the fall of Jerusalem temple. It's the beginning of the historical pains that are going to continue until the end. When the birth takes place, the birth of the kingdom of God, if you want to say that. But this is just the beginning. So when you see this take place, when you see the temple fall, it's just the beginning of the miseries that are coming on the earth. But it is, not, uh, it is not the end. Turn the page. The next part, I, again, I've got all three of those, option one, two, and three, of 30 to 70 A.D. And this is what would occur. He's still talking to the disciples about what's going to take place during their lifetime or what we'd say uh, the book of Acts, you know, the, the time of the writing of Scripture, the, the first century of the church. Be on your guard. And that's, that he says, that be on your guard. You've got to be discerning. There's, there's people trying to overthrow you. For they will deliver you into consuls. And that, that would be the believers into consuls. And you'll be beaten in synagogues. Remember Paul saying, I was beaten five times by the Jews? That was not that at the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. That was at synagogues across uh, Asia Minor, maybe into Europe. He was arrested, brought in the synagogues, beat him for false teaching. And you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings. Now, many of them did that. Uh, Paul, Paul did it definitely before Nero and the governors Festus and Felix. Peter's going to do it. For why, why is this going? Why is this happening to me? Hey, for my sake, to bear witness before them. Well, can't I just have like a live stream broadcast or something instead of having to go like through prison and trials and beatings? It's like. Well, Galen will get to have a live stream broadcast, but some of you are going to stand before consuls and synagogues and get beaten by the governors. It's like, why? Well, so you can preach. It's like, thank God for live stream and home Bible studies. But then, you know, that's the point. It's like, he's not, he's not, like, he's not flinching. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to have, ask some of you to have to stand before kings. They're going to put you in prison. some am going to be executed. It's like, this way it's going to go. I mean, this is Jesus explaining to his disciples, this is what ministry looks like. It's for my sake. You've got to preach the gospel. And how are you going to get in front of the king? He's going to arrest you because he doesn't want you preaching. And there's your chance. Preach. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial, and here's the good news for them, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand on what you're going to say. Don't make up a bunch of handouts like Galen does, and charts and notes. And there. It's like, just show up, and the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Now, that is not an excuse not to prepare for Bible study. That's why I'm a Bible teacher, so I've got to prepare. I don't just walk in and say, well, I'll see what God has for me to say tonight. Uh, that's, that's in this situation. You're drug off in front of a king. It's like, oh, what do I say? Just relax. That's a, you're exactly where I want I've already given you what I want you to say. You've got the experience. You've got the knowledge. That's why I put you in front of the governor. Now, tell him what you know. Uh, so no, there's no, it's just relax. No fear. You're going to have to just endure and keep doing the work. And brother will deliver brother over to death. I mean, again, this is basically Christianity. Uh, someone becomes a member of, of uh, 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 the body of Christ, their families reject rejecting him. It's a good chance Paul himself was rejected. His father was a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee, or Saul, and they became a, a believer. But is, you never hear much about his family. I mean, where did his family go? Well, they probably rejected him. But then, nonetheless... Uh, fathers, child, they'll all be persecuting you and turning away. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Notice right there, you'll be saved, but you're going to have to endure. Now, we're not talking about salvation like you've got you to go through persecution to be saved. This is talking about your deliverance is going to come after you've endured and done what I've told Basically, live your life, and what I've asked you to do, do it, and when you finish your job, I'll deliver you, but I'm not going to take you out of here until you've finished your work. Uh, which is telling them, it's like, it's going to be hard, but I'm not coming to get you. In other words, don't be looking up, when are you coming? I ain't, keep preaching. It's kind of like, just the opposite of why people go to church and listen to eschatological teaching. God is coming back. You're going to deliver you from your bills. You're going to deliver you from your problems. You're going to have, live forever in heaven. It's like, but not today. Get back to work. But I'm suffering. I, it's too hard. It's like, get to work. It's, it's just the opposite of what you'd like to hear in the Western church. Then verse 4. Okay, that's all 30 to 70. See, so notice those options 1, 2, and 3? They all agree. That's talking about the early church. Now, you, you can say, well, I've got a different opinion. Well, it's probably four or five. Okay, now verse 14. Now the switch begins. Notice, some are going to switch, including myself. This now switches to the end. These two groups, option two and option three, is not going to make a switch to the end until later. So, I, I, and again, this, I have an opinion on this. I know what I want to think uh, and I, what I agree with. But I, you know, I'm, I'm alert, alert that it, this may still be talking about 30 to 70 A.D. Now listen to this. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Now if you've got the abomination of desolation, that means something's going to have to get into the holy place, into the temple, and not be where it's supposed to be. And that could be during when the Jews all fled to the city Some of the zealots took over the Temple Mount and went into the Temple. Eventually, the Roman soldiers are going to be in there, and I'll talk about this all later. They're going to set up their standard. They're going to offer a a sacrifice to their standard there in the holy place in the Temple before it got burnt. Titus himself, the emperor, or the, the general, son of the Emperor Vespasian, who started the Jewish wars for Nero, then became the emperor, put his son Titus in charge. Titus himself is going to walk into the holy place, look around. That could be the abomination. It could be the zealots or, well, the Romans, uh, if you want to put it in 70 A.D. When you see that abomination, but watch this. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Now, the, re- the reason, again, I'll have to explain this to you later. Let the reader understand that is a footnote to explain probably that there's a, 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 an error in, in, in a uh voc- in a, in a, what uh, language what do you call it let it the 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 the, well i'll tell you this way when you see the abomination of desolation that's in that's feminine standing where it or he that's masculine ought not to be and that's saying let the reader say i know there's a mistake in the grammar is the word i'm looking at there's a grammar mistake in the greek there's a is it should match why don't they match let the reader understand I, i understand what i did there that's not a mistake that may be what that refers, because they're talking about right out of the book of Daniel, and they're bringing it over there. This is feminine and masculine. And like, Whoa, that's a mistake! No, no, no. Let the reader understand. Like and we have like an R language, where you put that S I C. You like something spelled wrong. You put parentheses S I C, meaning it's spelled wrong. Not sick. I know it's spelled wrong. It, that's I'm doing that in part. That's probably what that means. I mean, that's not that doesn't sound right. Right. But leave it like it is. Then let those again, let the reader understand that's probably put in there because they didn't have Bible. Like you've all got your Bible. You 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 got your as many Bibles as you want. Back then you'd go to church and you rarely would you have a copy of the book of Matt Mark. Did everybody take out your scroll of Mark? You'd go to church and then they'd read it, and as you're sitting there listening to the reader read, it's like He read that wrong. He's like, what the, everybody looking at you, that's doesn't, that pun, that grammar's not right. It's like, let the reader understand. Meaning, the reader who's reading it, this is a note to the reader, meaning, I should probably fix that. No, let the reader understand. Read it like it is. It's wrong. Read it, if that makes sense. Because they'd read it. So this is, let the reader understand. The reader of the text of Scripture is reading it publicly for the Scripture, for the church. Understand, that's exactly what it means. It doesn't sound right. Just say it and go on. When you see the abomination, feminine, of, of desolation, standing where he, masculine, ought not to be, that's fine, Let those then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor, nor enter his house to take anything out, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to go get his cloak. In other words, just start running. When you see the abomination, just start running. It's all hell's about to break loose. Now, go back to 70 A.D., the Jews all ran to the city because they thought God was coming back to deliver them. They're going to be safe behind the walls until God gets there. The Romans went through a, a series of attacks, went through the first wall, the second wall, finally the third wall. And by the time they actually, it would be the zealots, everybody's already in the city, and the zealots have taken over because they're the ones that are leading this revolt. And so no one's going to flee when they see it because it's like, this is good. And then by the time the Romans get in there, it's on, they're burning the city down. There's so many dead but They're walking over dead bodies no one. Can, oh, look it's the desolation like well we should have saw this coming like five months ago i mean it, it was a four-year war so it doesn't make sense that when you see titus walking into the temple you better flee well there's no, you're dead it's all over the war's over so that doesn't really make sense i don't think so i go with this being talking about something in the future other people to other opinions are going to say ah, ah that, that was 70 ad we'll talk more about that pray that it may not happen in the winter for in those days there will be such a such tribulation listen to this as has not been from the beginning of creation that god created until now and never will be again and i already mentioned that before it's real i mean you're going to have to sell that if you're going to say that was 70 a.d you're going to have to sell that to the people you're teaching that the fall of jerusalem as josephus describes in gory detail it was we looked at some pictures. We've talked about it. It was hideous. There's people jumping in the fire. There's dead bodies ever. People are eating children. They've been starved out. It's terrible. never been like that before. Well, yeah, except everywhere a city has gone under siege. It's like that every time a city's under siege. How about Pompeii? That was pretty bad. Uh, I mean, there, there's just example after example that were just like this historical event. And to say there's nothing as bad as the fall of Jerusalem, once again, I mean the flood of Noah wasn't worse than the fall of Jerusalem. I mean that was pretty bad. Eight people floating around on a boat and you know every city fell. Uh, so that's kind of hard for me to accept that. Although people will try to promote that. Uh, <clears throat> verse 20. And this is still talking about in the future. And if the Lord had not cut the short those days, no human being would have be would be be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he has shortened those days. So this disaster at the end of the time is going to be cut short for some reason. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. Meaning, Jesus is going to come back, the sign of the Son of Man will come back. If he's out here, he's over there, it's like, no, there's no Messiah. He'll come back like he said he would. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders, And that's, again, that would be the the false prophet and the Antichrist, apparently, if you put that as end times, and able to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things. And continuing now, this next part is everybody now switches to seeing the Son of the Man to being the 70th week and the parousia. Again, the parousia, the appearing. And here it is. Here is the parousia. But in those days, after the tribulation... That's the terrible times at seven years. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from the heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming, Perusia, in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels to gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. I will at that point say that is the appearing of Christ and the rapture potential if you want to put it right there and we can talk about that not a a post-trib rapture but a rapture that takes place right before the wrath of god is poured out on the earth because the son of man has appeared and begins to pour out his wrath we can talk about that a lot of people disagree with that they want the pre-trib rapture and that's fine hang on to that thought but nonetheless that would fit right there now here's your two views your two stories from if it's uh see some of them continue now or one of them continues uh opinion two that this parable of the fig tree is the 70th week in the parousia i go back and say or opinion one and opinion three and of course opinion four has never changed uh, but number one and three say now we go back and he gives a parable about these things that you asked about when you see these things happening just like a fig tree budding you know it's near when you start seeing these events you know the fall of jerusalem's near you'll know that how do they know that well, we, how, do, how do they know that? Because he said, how do we know that they knew that? One, John, the apostle, leaves Jerusalem and moves to Ephesus with Mary, Jesus' mother. Moves sometime in 64, 65 AD. settles in Ephesus. That's where he writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. That's where he writes the book of Revelation. Well, he writes that in Patmos. But he's, he's overseeing the churches that Paul started and Timothy was working at, possibly you got, not possibly, but if John was in Ephesus and Timothy was the pastor or one of the lead pastors there, John, the apostle, is in Timothy's church. Try that on for size. Uh, you're up there explaining the words of Jesus taught to you by Paul and John, the apostle, sitting there in the front row with Mary, Jesus' mom, Mary. Uh, if that were to take place. But that, that, that is all possible. The Bible doesn't have a record of that or the history but that's all possible. John leaves because he knows this destruction is coming. The entire church James remember was pushed off not this corner but the other corner was pushed off the Temple Mount. He was the leader of the church of Jerusalem in 62 AD and then Simon or Simeon, it would be James and Jesus cousin becomes the bishop or the head of the church. He takes the entire Christian community, goes across the Jordan River, and goes up to Decapolis to a place called Pella, and they settle there during the Jewish wars, and after the Jewish wars, they move back to Jerusalem. So John leaves, Simeon leaves, takes the Christian community, and the only people that left are those that had rejected Christ and his prophecy of this coming, and they face this destruction. So uh, when you see these things happen, when you see the tree budding, you know it's near. And so John knew simeon knew these guys got out of town and then some some came back so that would be how they know but that that's the timing uh number one you will know and you can see right there these things this generation will not pass away uh and then the last one the timing number two once again i point out here i've got it written there timing number two no one knows so just stay away that is where we are at no one this is, this is mark's eschatology Uh it's not like here's how you build your eschatological chart. Now I've got eschatological charts, but they're just they're just teaching tools. But the point is you do not know. I mean that's as close as you can come. And the book of Mark, Matthew, Luke, they're not writing this so you can make a chart and know, oh, I'll just stand here and wait. You're telling you, get to work, you're gonna have to suffer, just keep working in the field until the master comes. Well, here it is. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows. Now it's going to say no one knows three times in these uh, verse 32 through 37. So three times in five verses it says you don't know. And then four times it's going to say, so what do we do? Stay awake. So what do you do about eschatology? Well you don't know you better just stay awake and keep working. Well, why is God not letting us know? A good good pastor, a good preacher a good uh, end time teacher, they would know. It's like, no they won't know. If they do know, they don't know that they don't know. It's like and I've been that guy. Uh, no one knows, not even the angels or in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be on guard for what? Someone telling you that they know, or someone misinterpreting the signs, or someone misinterpreting this, or giving you a bad drive, or are you giving up and going and standing on the mount. I don't have to work, I'll just go stand on the mount and wait for Jesus to come back and deliver me. No, do not be, you see, be on your guard. What you should do is keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. What's it like? It is like a man going on a journey. Jesus the man who's gone on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, that would be the disciples or the believers, we're in charge of his ministry on earth, puts his servants in charge, each with his work. We each have our work to do while we wait for him to come. Some of us, in fact, if you're going to place bets in Las Vegas on a if you're going to be alive when Jesus comes back, the, the evidence would show you should bet you're going to die first. Why? Well, it's 100% that way. Of everybody that's lived in the church age, 100% of the people have died before Jesus came back. But me, I'm going to meet Jesus in the air. I'm going to meet him at the... Ra- it's like, you, well, someone is. But even Paul wrote, he says, but we who remain, we will meet the Lord in the air. So Paul was even thinking that he would be alive, but Paul died. So the odds are that all of us will... I'm not being cruel here, or what do you call it? Gory, what's a good word? Morbid. But the odds are that you will not see Jesus' return. The odds are you're going to die working for the Lord. And it's someday in the future. Why Why is the odds that way? Because that's the way it's been for everybody. No one has... Well, there's been a few people meet the Lord... No, no, he's never come back, and so everyone's died. All the disciples died. So this is the advice. So stay awake. Be on guard and stay awake. But yeah, but I think today's the day. Stop looking up and get back to work. It doesn't say don't talk about eschatology. You're supposed to encourage each other with these words. We'll see that too. Uh, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or in the rooster crows or in the morning. Lest he comes suddenly and finds you asleep making an end time chart that Jesus is going to come back and I won't have to work. It's like, no, I'm added that part. Finds you asleep and what you what and what I say to you, disciples, I say to all. And he ends this whole teaching: stay awake. So there's your the end time teaching is right there. Uh, basically, stay awake. Okay, we've got fifty six. I'm going back to this page, and that's kind of just a review, uh, and this is nice to see, I think, because I'm going to navigate through this chapter, and I'm probably going to be going down Opinion 1, that's how I'm going to teach it, that does not mean I'm right, it means someone's on my side, but these other options, there's people teaching these other ways also, and then of course you've got the group that doesn't even believe Jesus wrote it, or said it, or Mark wrote it, they think the church made it up, and that whole, that's another they're not even church um okay boy i've got this whole thing to go through and i think probably the best thing to do would be just a wait which i'm not very good at i will pull it at point nine we'll quit with point nine because this is interesting and i don't have time to show you this because this would take another night to show you all the details of this but mark is writing this We, we this is solid information you don't have to agree with it but Mark traveled with Peter, according to church history, and after Peter died, he wrote down Peter's account. So what you're reading in the book of Mark is Peter's gospel, written by Mark after Peter died. So Peter dies in 64. So Mark is writing 64 to 65 AD. He's writing Mark 13. You see that? And he probably got some information from Peter. Jesus is going to say this in 30 AD. Jesus teaches this. Uh, it's recorded uh, in Luke 21. Luke 21 records the same message. Luke is going to write the book of Luke before he writes the book of Acts. The book of Acts ends with Paul still in prison in 62 A.D. So that, he's writing Acts probably between 60 and 62 A.D., going back and recording all the events that took place in the life of Paul, as a, you know, the life of the church. So that means Luke had to be written first. Luke was in Caesarea right there that picture that's in Caesarea uh, with Paul while he was in prison between 57 and 60 AD when he got on the prison ship and went to Rome. So Luke and he says I talked to many eyewitnesses. Well right there in Caesarea he he could have interviewed Mary. That's why he's got stories about Mary's saying things like how does he know? Well he talk to her he interviewed he's got stories that others don't have because he could have gone and people that were healed he could have went and interviewed him and he says i wrote a history he writes a historical document his intention was to write a history he says many things have been written about jesus i'm going to go and investigate carefully eyewitness accounts so i can give you an accurate account for theophilus who's back in rome so luke writes luke 21 before 60 a.d which is the same material that's in mark 13 except luke's words Matthew was written sometime here. Uh, we, well, let's go up here. I, I, people don't like this, but I like to put Matthew in 48 AD. Uh, some people say much later, but Matthew 24, and that's, that's, I'll just put that in parentheses. But between 30, well, let's do this. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I got the reference right there, and I, I'd, I'd like to go through those verses. And Paul, T, I go a better job in Titanic faith, I, a parallel Matthew twenty four and Paul's writing in in First Thessalonians four how it's Paul is saying the same thing that Matthew's saying in his own words and he says according to the Lord's own word so in fifty one A.D. Paul writes according to the Lord's own word now what does that mean well according to the Lord's own word you can say well. God or Jesus must have came and spoke to Paul. Yes. But what Paul is writing is exactly similar to Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And so if Jesus said it to the disciples, they would have handed it down so that it would be taught. They didn't just like forget about it, they taught it. And Paul says, according to the Lord, these are the Lord's words. So Paul would have received, he talks about this in other places. He would have received the oral instruction, and he teaches, he'd already taught the Thessalonians this in 51 AD because he refers back to it. So sometime in 48 AD, 50 AD, Paul is got this account of Mark. So Jesus says that the disciples didn't forget it, Matthew records it somewhere, Paul's got a recording of it and is repeating the information to the churches he's teaching. Luke writes it in 21, and now sometime in 64, 65, Mark writes Mark chapter 13, which is a record of what Jesus said, probably through the mouth of Peter. So, this, what is being said right here, this is a block of solid information. Somebody say, Well, we don't know if the Bible's true. Well, I mean, it just keeps re- it's repeating it. It's, it's real. Jesus said it. The disciples heard it. They repeat it. They record it. They hand it around. And, and here we've got it. So that's interesting. That's what point nine right there is kind of trying to point that out right there, trying to indicate that. And there's much more that we could go with. I'll pray and we're done. If you've got any questions or comments or insights, uh, we'll take a look at this. Father, we do thank you again for the chance of to look into your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be alive at this time in history. We ask that we would use your word, your spirit, you know, the fellowship with other believers as you intend us to, that we may encourage each other and do the things you've called us to, that we would have the ability to endure and be faithful in service to you. In this time in history, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here.